The Giants lay another stinker. More of the same. We're going to break it down with David Turner coming up next on the Locked on Giants podcast. You are Locked on Giants, your daily New York Giants podcast. Part of the Locked on Podcast Network, your team every day. Hello, New York Giant fans, and welcome to another edition of the Lachlan Giants podcast, part of the Lachlan Podcast family, your team every day. Patricia Trainer here with you, and thank you so much for making us your first listen of the day, or uh, if you're watching us on YouTube, your first watch of the day. And folks, you know, I, I tell you, I love you guys so much that um, I'm going to sit down and I'm going to do this show for you because this was just really, really bad. The Giants losing to the Chicago Bears 29 to 3. And uh, my good friend David Turner is with me again. We're going to try and make sense out of this. We're going to talk about some of what was said after the game. Joe Judge going on a lengthy lengthy uh, soliloquy, if you will, trying to uh, explain why people should have faith in the program. So we'll try and make heads and tails out of all this stuff for you. I don't know how well we're going to succeed because I don't know that I can fully understand it. David, can you understand what you saw uh, today? Because I mean, you know, people have said, oh, you know, Glennon is the backup quarterback, so he's not very good. They didn't have receivers. They didn't have this. They didn't have that. They didn't have an offensive line. Are they just making excuses or can you, is it legitimate, you know, that that their talent level just isn't competitive. Okay. Well, you got about three hours for me to explain this, <laughs> or do you want the reader digest version? The reader's digest version, probably. I'll do my best, <laughs> which as we know, isn't good enough sometimes, but <laughs> a, the sequilicky, whatever you want to call it at the end of the game, seemed like cover my ass type conversation and don't blame my coaching okay let's blame that we have our backup quarterback in our offensive line's terrible yada 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 okay well i'm not a big believer in excuses and i think anybody who's been listening to me all season on your show knows that if you are going to tell me you can't coach your way out of a paper sack then you should not be the head coach of a national football team sorry you shouldn't. And if they go, well, you know, we didn't have our backup in. We or we had our backup in. You guys gave up. How many times was the damn quarterback sacked today? Uh four times. And intercepted? Two times. And fumbles recovered against? Fumbles recovered. Let's see. They lost four. They I'm sorry, they had four, they lost two. Okay. That's made the Bears defense the number one fantasy defense today. In the first four plays from scrimmage, you were down, what, 14 to nothing because you had a, a sack fumble, right? And then you had a an interception. So let's just talk about play calling. Okay, or let, hold on. I'm going to back up. I'm going to go to straight talent. Are you telling me? that the Lions have a better football team than you right now? 
because the Lions had their backup quarterback in today. And guess what? The Lions scored 27 or 29 points. Now, did they lose 29 to, to 51? Yes, they did. Have they won two of their last four games? Yes, they have. Are they two and 12 and one? Yes, they are. But they scored 29 points today. Giants, you scored three. You scored three. And you weren't playing one of the top defenses. You were playing the Bears. Okay, now do they have a good pass defense and a good pass rush? Yes, they do. Yes, they do. But where was running the ball? I know uh, Barkley would have 85 yards rushing or something today. 102, yeah. He, oh, he excuse 102 me. For 20, on 21 carries. And that's a lot better. And Booker had 46. But you scored three points. You scored three points. Now, I don't have it in front of me, but over the last four or five weeks, I think you're under 30 points you've scored in the last three or four weeks. Oh, yeah. Pretty sure. Yeah. In the, they have a five-game losing streak going on, and I think in three of the five games, they have failed to score a touchdown. Right. And against the New Orleans Saints, they only scored a touchdown because they threw it to the tackle, right? Okay. So no, that they had that the Saints they had a big game. You're talking. You're talking oh, no, about there was the one Chargers. Game. What was Chargers? Chargers? Maybe was it the okay. Chargers? They, or the I know Dolphins? they had to throw one a tackle eligible to yeah, score it was one in one of those game. games. I know. What, I know. I just can't remember which game it was, but the Jets scored 24 points today against a much better defense in Tampa Bay, and then you had, you know, a, you had the Eagles and the Washington football team go at it. And the Eagles scored 20 points today, and the football team, they scored 16. The lowest scoring teams today were the Dolphins and the Giants. So you can't tell me, or if you're telling me you can't coach the talent on your team to scoring more than three points, and it's all the talent's fault, why is the coaching not taking any kind of blame here? Did the talent, maybe it was the talent who had the brain fart on the, on the, uh, kickoff where they thought it was going to roll into the end zone but i didn't see the talent go over to the sideline and get their butt ripped i got people going oh it's okay it's all right over on the sideline which then turned into a safety if i'm not wrong okay so again i'm not gonna sit here and hang it all on the talent because again you did have galladay you had ingram you had rudolph you had barkley you had booker you had Sills all in the game. Okay. Receivers today were targeted, if my numbers are correct. They were targeted just, uh, hold on, I'm adding this up four, six, 11 times. They were targeted no, 11 that, times. That's, that's total. You're talking just receivers? Oh, I'm sorry. Total? That was total. So Booker's three. three. I, I'm counting one. four. Four out of the 11 went to wide receivers. Four, um, four Booker targets and, for your wide receivers. Yeah, Booker and uh, Barkley uh, combined for four, and then your tight ends, three. And your quarterback threw 11 passes today and four completions, two interceptions, and they go, well, see, he doesn't have a backup quarterback. There's teams that played today with backup quarterbacks and scored a lot more points. They found a way to win. That's part of coaching at the big leagues and being a big boy is finding ways to win, even with your backups. I remember a season when the Patriots had, uh, was it Matt Barkley 
in for the entire year because Brady busted his uh, knee up game one and they won 10 games that year. When you start giving them an excuse of they didn't have a quarterback or their line, guess what? We've been talking about their line being deficient all year. And we've said put in six offensive linemen. At least I have every single week. And they don't do it. So they're not trying to protect their quarterback. They're trying to run their offense. That's a rigid way of thinking. When you are so rigid that you cannot put a six offensive lineman in and protect your quarterback to give him more time, and you know Glennon's going to need more time. Like, you know that. And yet you make zero adjustments. Like today when Quinn set the Bears single-season sack record against Glennon on that sack fumble, they tried to chip Quinn with a receiver to help Thomas out. I'm like, why didn't you just put the tight end that way and double Quinn with Thomas in the tight end? They did go uh, on the first series, though. They did go, I think, with seven. They had an empty backfield, and they still got the, the strip sack fumble. I don't, so I don't know what happened there. Um, it looked like somebody went out maybe, and, and I don't know, maybe they were giving them the, the max protection, protection look and the uh, – they didn't. I, I'd have to go back and look at the play, but I know they had an empty backfield. But, you know, just bottom line is, is you know, you, you, today, and you've said this before on the show, you've said that Freddie doesn't build off of each play. And today really felt like it was an exhibition game. Like, oh, let's just try this. Let's try this and see what happens. Well, is there any bigger, bigger sign that the coaching staff waved the white flag than 11 attempts by your quarterback. Well, they couldn't protect them, obviously. Either well, that or I they... get it, but you're playing the Bears. Dalton, okay, threw 35 passes today, 18 completions for 163 yards. Their running back, Montgomery, who's a hell of a back, only ran for 64 yards on two on 22 carries. Now, one of those touchdowns was a give me. It was a like second play of the game or whatever for them up the middle for like a two-yard score, right? That was his mm-hmm. first touchdown of the game. They did a pretty good job holding him back after that. You know what I mean? Like, yeah, he got a second touchdown in there, but he's a heck of a back. And for me, when you look at this, I don't see a bigger rate waving the white flag than 11 attempts. 11 attempts by your quarterback. I would I would challenge to see if there was another quarterback at all in the NFL today that had 11 attempts. Yeah, but David, I mean, you saw Glennon's passes. You yourself have said that he makes guys work for it. And, and, and I think at one point during the game, I kept I tweeted something to the effect of, gee, the next time Glennon gets the gets a ball within the, the receiver's catch radius is going to be the first because he was th- I, I was watching them. OK, he was throwing them just to the outer edge of the catch radius and you, you know, we've talked about this. I know. No, how... I'm not. I'm just saying coaching wise here. Okay. I'm not, I'm not, I, we know Glennon's terrible. He shouldn't so then be on why, the team. Why? If, if we know he's terrible, maybe the coaches think to themselves, okay, yeah, he's terrible. So maybe we're going to try run. And judge did say after the game for what it's worth, that they were intending to run the ball as much as they did. And of course, now when you fall behind, it's like, okay, what are you doing? Why aren't you throwing more? When in fact, you know, that was the game plan going in from what judge said. Okay. But again, 
you're not that's not coaching to win the game that's my point that's where i was going with my point about waving the white flag and just saying okay it's a season we're done we don't care if we win anymore we're just gonna get out of the year as healthy as possible and go to next year that's not competing and winning like across the field matt Nagy basically has been told you're fired after the season ryan pace the general manager you're gonna be fired after the season they know it right like a stroke of miracle will keep them in their positions again. But here we go. Joe judge before the game from reports on TV have been told you're safe. You're going to be our coach next year. So what's Joe do? He literally just goes and says, okay, let's get out of the game as healthy as possible. We don't care if we're going to win. And to me, that shows with 11 pass attempts. Don't get me wrong. I know they can't protect him. I know he's not a good quarterback. But when you're trying to win the game, you don't just – and you're down so much. Like, from the jump, they were down 14 nothing from the jump. And they don't try to win the game. Like, they didn't try to win the game. And that's what bothers me. The competitive edge in who I am, if I'm the general manager and I – and I, you know, I'm, I don't care if I'm on the way out in two weeks or not. If I'm the general manager, I would say this is effing ridiculous because you only threw the ball 11 times, Joe. Like you and Freddie couldn't figure out a way to throw the ball 22 or 25 times to complement the running game that we were using today. And you're going to say, well, we didn't have our receivers. Like, then why am I paying Evan Ingram? Why am I paying Rudolph? Why am I paying Galladay? Galladay had one target. Now, again, I know. Glennon's terrible, but they, they, this week, they didn't just say, Hey, from we're going to get you practice and give you another shot. They just went back to Glennon last week. They were a quick hood on from and went back to Glennon. Right? So again, these are coaching decisions. These aren't front office decisions. These aren't general manager decisions. These are coaching decisions. There are other coaches in this league that find ways to win. Don't get me wrong. I don't like Glennon but I don't like the coaching decisions that I'm w- I'm watching here on the field. You know, Tyler Huntley, who was an undrafted free agent quarterback from Utah that nobody heard of, nobody wanted, took the Rams down to the wire today, and they scored 19 points. When he went up against the Green Bay Packers, he scored four touchdowns. Those coaches are in the building trying, find, trying to find ways to win with what they got. It's like a good chef. You might be able to walk into any kitchen and your ingredients aren't what you want, but you find a way to make a best meal that that person at that table is going to eat in their life. Why? Because you're competitive and you're not going to let anything stop you from winning. When I hear excuses like their offensive lines, Terrell, I hear excuses like their quarterbacks, Terrell, that's excuses on why I can't coach to win. I'll give you an example. Also, as of the Oakland Raiders, and uh, we were having a terrible year. Shocker. We were having a terrible year. But Bruce Gronkowski was in our building. He was one of our quarterbacks. And Bruce walked by me. And we were talking in the hall for a quick second. And he goes, man, can I say something to you? And I don't want you to judge me or I don't want to get cut. And I'm like, I'm not going to cut you. Like, A, I don't have the power. Mr. Davis is the only one that can make those decisions. And B, what? He goes, I just feel like if I was playing, we would be doing better. And I said, Bruce, 
I would try to cut you if you didn't feel that way. I'm like, because everybody on this team, when you're on a bad team, should be like, if I'm playing, we'll be better. That's the competitive nature and attitude you need to win. If you don't have it, don't show up to work. Right? And and I know I'm rambling on this a little bit, guys and gals. I hear you. But I just want you to understand, like, these coaching decisions that are being made, it's the, what they get paid to do. If you had the perfect team, you wouldn't need the perfect coach. The perfect team at Peyton Manning at quarterback and Marvin Harrison at wide receiver and Al Toon at the other wide receiver and Frank O'Hara running the ball, right? Jackie Slater at tackle. They don't need to be coached. They just line up and dominate. Coaching and team play is very important. And these coaching decisions we're seeing over the last over this whole year, they started slow. And Jojo said, well, I'm kind of using the first few games as an extension of training camp to figure out what I got. Terrible decision because those first four games, you had a chance going three and one. And, and conversely, I think they went one and three. And now look at oh them now. Three. Oh, and three. Sorry. Oh, and three right off the gate. And then now here at the back end, you have the Bears that you can beat. You have other teams that you could beat. And you could have tried to make this uh, eight and eight season or eight and eight nine season, but no, we're just tanking all the way. And then today, eleven passes isn't trying to win the game, and I don't care why they did it. All I care is the attitude wasn't to win the game. All right, Giant fans, we have more coming up on today's show, but first, it is the new year which means that New Year's resolutions are abound. And if one of yours is about getting fit and eating healthier, make sure you include Built Bar in your plan. Built Bar is the protein bar that tastes like a candy bar. It's covered in real milk chocolate, but it doesn't have that waxy or that chemical or chalky taste that most protein bars have. Built Bars are available in nut and nut-free variety, and they have all kinds of different flavors, including a selection of limited-time flavors that rotate on their site. And uh, most Built Bars contain about 130 calories, 4 grams of sugar, 4 net four net carbs, and 17 grams of protein. Built Bar makes it easy to stick to your New Year's resolution to eat right without the guilt and without the calories. So head on over to BuiltBar.com and use our special promo code LOCK15 to save 15% off your first order. Again, that's code LOCK15 for 15% off your first order at BuiltBar.com. Let's talk about... um, what Joe had to say afterwards. And for those who are watching and listening to this, I'm actually going to, you know, before we get into the conversation, I'm going to play the whole 11 minute clip. um, So you guys can hear it if you haven't heard it. Um, And then David, you and I can talk a little bit about some of the highlights. You know, we talk inside a lot. Okay. And I don't ever ask for patience from anybody. Let's get that clear right now. All right. And the fans have every right to have an opinion. That's why our fans they have every right on that. You buy a ticket to come in the stadium, you have every right to boo me going out to the stadium. That's the way it is. That's what we sign up for, right? And it's New York. It's supposed to be a tough place to be. Certain cities in this country, they don't even know if their team's playing today. All right? So you sign up for a job in a city like New York, you expect to have this. I never shy away from that. I don't worry about that at all. But we talk internally, you look at a lot of things moving in the right direction, and you know the targets of what you have to improve going forward. The important thing is when you know the direct targets of what you have to improve and know I'm not going to go individually in these today. 
All right, but when you know the direct targets of exactly what you've got, and you look at what you've got to make in a short term to go ahead and make a quick turnaround to build on the things that you've done well, right? I say it all the time. There's things we've done well we got to build on, right? So we look at overall what we're doing. There's a number of things going in the right direction that we know they're foundational things, the things you have to put in place for the team to have success on and off the field, on and off the field, okay? The important thing is when you have those direct targets, you got to find a way to minimize the things, okay, that you struggle with. And you work your hardest to go ahead and make sure you give yourself and your team a chance for success by trying to take certain aspects away from the game so it can't expose you as a weakness, okay? And then you want to play to your strengths as much as possible. There's certain aspects and things that, you know, you see on tape from around the league. And I talk to the guys all the time. Look, this is, this is about being a team and making sure you don't waste any opportunities. I'm not sitting here being preachy, but I'm going to tell you point blank what I tell them. You guys always want to know what the hell we talk about all the time. I'll tell you point blank what it is, all right? When the guys come to work on Wednesday and they bust their butt for you and they turn around on Thursday and they're all committed and they're doing extras position units, doing extras individually to get their body right. They're doing, you know, everything going forward, okay? And they go out there and they practice with good energy, good enthusiasm, you know, and you know you're in the right position right there. You know you got that aspect going right there. I talk to the players all the time, guys. I talk to them very openly and transparently. All right? We don't have captains meetings anymore because, you know, the majority of our captains are no longer playing for the remainder of this season. So we do a leadership meeting now. I look at the guys the other day in the eye and say, guys, hey, listen, this is your time to talk to me. You speak for the team. You tell me what's going on. You tell me, how's the team? How's the beat of the team? What do I got to be aware of? What's something I don't know? Because everyone always tells me what I want to hear, right? So when I ask someone just individual, I ask a player, they're going to tell me whatever I want to hear. I ask a coach, same type of thing. All right, I got to have a group of players going to look me in the eye and they know, like, I can tell Joe exactly what the hell's going on. So I got that core group of guys right there. You look them in the eye and you ask one guy the other day, and he's the first one to speak up. I'm not going to individuals. They can talk for themselves later on. But, you know, we had one guy said, I've never been out of playoff contention. I never knew what it was like to be in a position where you're actually playing games, not to be in playoffs or improve seating or whatever it may be or, or get in the playoffs. You know, didn't know what to expect. And when we were officially eliminated, it was almost an expectation that player of how is everyone else going to react? Kind of getting ready to come in himself and try to get everyone going and rally the team a little bit. And then another player spoke up and said that they've never been in playoff contention, period. All right. They weren't present with us last year throughout the remainder of the season uh, for a certain reason to even be in it last year as we played on a stretch. Both guys had the same response, though. Everybody on the team is locked in. Every other team comes in to work. Okay, everybody comes in every week and is committed to doing what they have to do and doing it the right way and playing together as a team. There's a lot of teams right now that are out of playoff contention. Okay, whether it's golf clubs in the locker room or people are planning vacations outside of it. All right, where there's a lot of finger pointing and blaming and shouting, all that type of stuff, right? All that stuff. No, we don't have in our building any of that. We got any of that. Any of that. Our guys know we have one more week this year to be this team. And they expect me to show up. They're going to get every ounce of football I got me this next week. You got that? Like, they're going to get everything out of me. But I expect the same return. I just told them a second ago. That's what I expect. The expectation here is I expect every ounce of football you got inside of you. And there's things we have aligned right now. There's things we have in place where certain units are playing and certain players are playing. And we got some foundational core guys. And we know the culture strong. All right? I'm going to tell you this right now. You guys always ask me about that off-the-field stuff and why the hell is it so important to have culture. So I'm going to tell you right now. A few years ago before I came here, when I came here, I sat down with all the players, and I want to know what it was like in here, what we had to change. I want to hear from their mouths, all right? To a man, every player looked me in the eye and said, Joe, it's not a team. They don't play hard. We're out of playoffs. Everybody quit. Everybody tapped. They stopped showing up to the captain's meetings, all that stuff, right? They tapped out. I've been a part of teams else places, okay? And I'm not trying to make this place anywhere else I've been. But lessons I've learned. Let me tell you something right now. In 2018, I was part of a team who halfway through the season, all right, we were all pretty convinced we were getting fired. Didn't think we were going to make the playoffs. 
had no concept of anything that was coming. We just knew we were going to keep showing up and improving and work week after week. And on the outside, we were all terrible. We didn't care about any of that noise on the outside. Didn't care about it at all. What do you care about on the inside? What are we doing? Guys showed up. They worked. They fought. They worked. We were improving enough as a team and put things together and make a run and end up, you know, win a championship. But the thing I really learned that year was the importance of the culture inside. How important and valuable that is. Because I was part of more talented teams that came up short and lost games down the stretch. Much more talented. But the one thing that really was solidified in my mind, in my DNA that, that year in 18, was the fact that it's so much more important how strong you are inside. Because no team goes through a smooth season. No team goes through a smooth season. So if you can go through the junk we're going through right now, okay, as a team. If you can go through the tough times we're going through right now as a team. All right, and have a defense take the field every single time ready to play. Every time. And there's a lot of people who want to say, hey, guys, you picked off a ball and they ran down the end zone, so you guys are down big. So we could turn around and say, yeah, guys, get your butts back on the bench. We're down when I celebrate. You know what, though? They play every play with enthusiasm, every play with energy, every play with each other. I want to celebrate. I want to see that energy and that passion. That's how they practice every day. Okay? That's how they practice every day. I want to see them play that way as well. That last fourth down they stopped them on. So that's two games in a row where game was over, right? We're out. It's done. Okay, Vegas is already paying out people. Like, like that, that's done, all right? But it's two fourth downs in a row, two weeks in a row, that I'm sitting there watching our defense finish the way they got to finish. Fourth down, stop Logan Ryan last week, shooting the gap and stopping him, and a good wall build on the opposite side to stop the run. Hey, dropping back into coverage and making that play right there or on that little kind of Tebow wildcat pass, whatever the hell you want to call it right there. So this ain't a team that's having fist fights on the sidelines. This ain't some clown show organization or something else. You talk about the foundation built. Some of the things that the toughest thing to change in a team, the toughest thing to change in a club is the way people think. You understand that? That's the toughest thing. You can get new players. You can have your damn locker room all you want. You got to change how people think. And you got to change how they, how they believe in what you're doing. And they got to trust the process. And that's a lot easier said than done when they're looking up right now and you got one game left and the most games you're going to win is five this season. But I guarantee you this. Those men are going to walk in on Wednesday and be ready to roll. We're going to practice hard on Wednesday. We're going to practice hard on Thursday. We're going to practice hard on Friday. And we're going to play for each other on the, on the field next week. If we don't play well, every fan has a right to boom my ass out of stadium. Got that? That don't bother me. I don't want it. I don't think anyone wants to get booed. Okay? But the reality is, that's all right. Okay? It's all right. They have that right. So the fans are every bit right to ask what you're asking. 100%. Okay? 100%. And I get about a dozen emails a day, six of which asking exactly what you're asking, the other six offering full support the other way. To me, both are great. You think I sit on back and I say what we're doing right now is good enough? No, it's not. But I know this. I know the first time I ever talked to you guys in front of a microphone, what the hell did I talk about? Foundation, right? From a building from the ground up, building the right thing. Now, you guys ain't been in the building for two years now with this COVID. All right? But I'll tell you right now, all right, if you're in the damn building, you walk on through our locker room, you ain't seen that crap you saw before. You ain't seeing guys right now playing vacations. You ain't seeing golf clubs in front of players' locker. You ain't seeing that stuff. You ain't seeing that. Right? And that's not because it's some high school program we're cracking with. It's because our guys understand how to play together as a team and they understand the process of how they're going through. So I can go through a whole X's and O's evaluation. I can go through a roster evaluation. I can do a lot of things for you right now, okay? I do it every day myself. I go through all that stuff. But in terms of the next step to take, I can tell you right now, I know we're a whole lot closer to where we're going than we are further away. I can tell you that right now. I can tell you, we got more players here who are going to be free agents next year, all right, who are in my office every day, begging to come back. I know that. 
or players that we coached last year that still call me twice a week talking about, you know, how much they wish they were still here and they're getting paid more somewhere else. I know we've got the right foundational pieces in. I know we have some players, some key positions, right, that are guys you can build with, keep carrying on. I know we got the right temperament. I know we got the right culture in terms of teaching the players, okay, which is why I don't come up here and try to assassinate some player, which I think is going to save my ass. Because behind closed doors, when we shut those doors, I can tell every player to a man, look him in the eye, exactly what the hell he screwed up on and exactly how it's got to get fixed. I can tell him to hold him as accountable as can be. Because I ain't going to sit up here like some other coward sitting behind a microphone and put his players on blast. That's it. I signed up to be the head coach here. Whatever bull gets fired, better get fired for me. You got that? It's got to go through me to get to that. And that's the way it is. But look, I'm not asking him to be patient. Trust me, guys. I'm not the most patient guy myself. I'm committed. All right. But I'm not the most patient guy myself, but I'm proud of the way these guys continue to fight and the effort they play with. All right. And the way they grind it out. But again, the toughest thing to turn over in a program, the toughest thing to change is how people think, how they think. And we have guys right now that are wired the right way. They're wired the right way. Okay. So some of what Joe had to say, and uh, I'm looking at the transcript here because goodness, it, it that was, I don't think I've ever, first off, I don't think I've ever seen Joe this um, passionate, if you will. Um, he spoke about wanting to, all right, first off, the question was, why do you have faith that you're going to get this turned around? So what, what, you know, what's your response to people? And he talked about the culture. He talked about how in the locker room, you don't see guys giving up. You see guys doing extra work at practice. You see guys, you know, they don't have their golf clubs by their lockers ready to go and end and the season now with there's still being time. Um, he talked about there being no fist fights, how people are playing hard, how they're playing with enthusiasm. But, you know, all that's great that they have a, you know, this strong culture. But what good is culture if you're not winning? Answer me that. Winning the right way is important. A lot of people don't feel that way in this day and age, no matter whether it's in football or sports or in life. They think it's all just about winning, but that's wrong. Winning the right way is important. And to be a giant, you should win the right way. You really should. Okay. To me, that message was for ownership to hear more than it was for the fans to hear. It was like, I still have control of this team. I still have control of this locker room. I have control of this culture. I'm building the culture the way you want it, you know, Mr. Tish and Mr. Mara. That is what that was. When I listened to that, that's what I heard. Okay. Mm-hmm. That being said, you're not doing it the right way. Did we see a lot of fire? And brimstone today on that offensive line? Are they firing off and dominating that defense? No. Did we see, you know, people just absolutely manhandling the opponent? No. You know, and you didn't coach to win. So I don't, and again, yeah, you, you're not the Washington football team where you have players punching each other at each other on the sideline. Good, Joe. Great. You know what? 31 other teams don't have people fighting either but guess what we're not calling it the best culture in the world i mean it's called being an adult and going to work right so i don't i don't believe that what joe is doing is building a culture to win the right way 
I think that's false. And that's a that's a snake oil salesman's pitch. Okay. I don't see it. I've been in locker rooms done the right way. And I get it. And you know what? We've had fisticuffs. And you know what happens? They're like brothers fighting. It's because they all want the best out of each other. And when they don't get it, they demand it of each other. There's a fire. There's a passion. There's like, man, I'm doing my job. Why aren't you doing your job? They call each other out. They hold each other accountable. So you're talking to the wrong person because I don't mind fire in the belly and a couple out skirmishes at practice at the giants. I used to watch them all the time at camp and you know what would happen? You break it up. And afterwards, you're walking in the locker room. You hear the coaches go, man, that was fun. That was fun practice, wasn't it? That was a good practice. Those boys were, they were heated at each other today because they knew those guys were trying to compete for a job and they were competing. They cared. They wanted to be on the field, right? I've seen players get benched and lose their mind because they want to play. And then the next week they come out and they play, you know, their tail off. I don't see that fire in the Giants. I see solid defense that we saw today was solid, not great, but solid defense. We've seen, you know, hit, hit and miss defense over the last four or five weeks. There were some weeks that we've come on here and we got, goo, that was really great. Then last week we saw defense that we were like, what the heck was that? That was trash. Today was solid defense, but I see no spark from the offense. You know, you've gotten rid of Jason a while back now. You even had a vacation in Tucson to, regroup and get everybody together nice little spa days but we haven't seen an emergence of a powerful offense here we haven't and they go well we don't have our quarterback well quit running the quarterback and maybe you'd have a quarterback you know quit calling bootlegs maybe you'd have one oh i don't know what the neck injury is but i know you keep calling bootlegs so yeah that's a coaching decision you're gonna put your quarterback in harm's way Coaching decision. They're trying. Yeah, but, you know, they're trying. In fairness, I mean, he's got a skill, so they're probably figuring, okay, let's take advantage of it in select situations. It's not their fault that the quarterback doesn't know how to slide and refuses to slide. I mean, if, if I'm being fair. But, you know, I But do if agree. you know, I Mr. Agree, Davis though. used to say it all the time, don't ask players to do stuff they're not good at. Okay, Why? No, I agree. Because I don't pay. And you right? know what he say? I don't pay them to do stuff they're not good at. I pay them to do what they're good. All right. For what it's worth, though, I do agree. This is why I don't like mobile quarterbacks. <laughs> I mean, I got spoiled with Eli and before that, you know, Phil Sims for a number of years. Give me a statue quarterback any day because those guys, you know where they're going to be and they, they you know, they're going to move around to get out of harm's way, but not be runners. I'm I'm with you on that. But, you know, in, in fairness, it's like if you're a coach and you're trying to put somebody in the right position to, to be successful and the guy can run, you know, that you, you talk, you just got through talking about, you're not put, you know, why didn't they throw the ball? Glennon can throw the ball. Okay. Well, why not run Jones then? You know, I, I mean, I, and I get your point. You've got running backs to do it, but you know, John Elway was a heck of a runner, heck of a runner. Right. We can all agree on that. Everybody mm-hmm. on the, on the, anybody who watches football, John is a heck of a runner. He didn't win a Super Bowl until he let Terrell Davis do the running. Okay. <laughs> so, you know, in my in my opinion, the best quarterbacks play from the pocket. The best ones play from the pocket. 
And if you if you just call the plays, they play from the pocket, and his checks are playing from the pocket, not anything. You tell them, listen, Daniel, we need your arm talent. We don't need your leg talent. And you make that a requirement. That's a work requirement. That's a play calling thing. And Daniel still calls his bootlegs in his own numbers. I think it would be more apparent. But so many of these calls, when I watch them, look like they came from the sidelines. And you have the talent around him. I learned that from Greg Knapp. Like when you have the talent on the football team, as the offensive coordinator's job is to utilize the talent, that's what they pay them to do. Greg Knapp taught me that. And that's his job is to utilize the talent. We're not seeing a really good chef. Jason wasn't a really good chef with the talent they had. We agreed to that. And same. And now we're seeing with Freddie. We're not seeing them utilizing the talent they do have around them to be a really good team. I still believe, like I came on here last week, there are players on this team. You can be a good team. You played the Bears today. The Bears were, what, 5-10 and 10 before the game? And the, the you know Giants were 4-11? and 11. So it's not like you went up against... Again, you're not going up against the Buccaneers or or the, the Kansas City or you know what I mean. You're not going up against one of these playoff destination teams. You're going up with the pick behind you in the draft, and you got you you, you lost twenty twenty nine to three. No, I I, I get it. You're going up you... against a coach who's going to lose his job, and a general manager is going to lose her job because his team isn't good enough for the Bears. And you lost 29-3. Hey, Giant fans, this is Patricia Traina with an incredible app that everyone who drives a car and buys gasoline needs to know about. That's right, the Get Upside app. It allows you to get up to 25 cents for every gallon of gas every time you fill up. Just download the free GetUpside app from the App Store or from Google Play right now and use the promo code TOUCHDOWN when you sign up for an account to get a bonus $0.25 cents per gallon off on your first fill-up. That's up to $0.50 cents cash, break, cash back. Don't pay full price at the pump anymore. Get cash back using the free GetUpside app and cash out anytime you want to your bank account, to PayPal, or get an e-gift card for Amazon and other brands. Again, that's the Get Upside app, and that promo code for fifty cents off per gallon on your first fill up is touchdown. Looking ahead, there's one more week left. All right, what can be salvaged from this mess? Because it's clear that the house has collapsed in. That you know this team is just not. It's not very good. Injuries, COVID, whatever reason you want to give, coaching, it's not very good. What can be salvaged and what are the priorities to fix like ASAP? As soon as that season's over, we got to fix this. We talked a lot about it last week and and everybody in my voice today can hear me say it, right? Like I, I lost my faith in Joe judge. It doesn't sound like ownership has, but I have. Okay. I think there's very talented coaches that are on the street that could t- potentially take this team over and roll with it. There's some very talented coordinators that could take this team over and roll with it and do well with it. Cause I don't think the I really do not feel 
the talent level is beneath a lot of other teams. And again, we can go through the whole NFL and I can tell you, I mean, over 15 to 20 teams have worse rosters than this roster. Okay. Do they have worse, worse offensive lines? Probably not, but worse rosters. Yes. Okay. That being said, I just think that if you want to win next year, you know, you might need to blow it all up. But if you don't choose to blow up, blow it all up, it makes no sense to me to keep the coach or to let or have Dave walk off into the sunset, you know, and give it to Kevin. If you're going to keep the coach, you might as well just keep the band together and roll with it one more year. You know, again, you're going to have two top 10 draft picks. You're going to have, uh, I can't, is an extra, they have nine draft picks in total. Nine so far, I think. Yeah. Nine in total. So that's a lot of capital. You have five to rework- of them are going to be the top 100. That's what I'm saying. You're going to have five in the, you know, and again, five in the top 100. If two of those are offensive linemen, corner, pass rusher, or linebacker, I'd probably go in the you know, middle linebacker there. And then a weapon, whether it's a weapon on offense or defense, a pass rusher, or a, you know, a running back or something, or receiver. That's a lot of talent. Five in the top 100, it's a lot of talent. And, you know, you could fix a lot of holes with that. So, again, if you're going to keep the coach, to me, it makes no sense to just give the reins to Kevin. Might as well just let Dave fix it and then ride off into the sunset next year if it doesn't work. Working on the coach and the GM on opposite years, to me, makes no sense. It really doesn't. If you say what? Blow it up. And then otherwise just blow it up. And find a very strong GM. I, I'm the more I talk to friends in the league, and the more I talk to people around the league, coaches, coach focused teams are really far behind in talent development because they constantly just work on trying to draft for the next year and pieces that fit the next year and not four or five years down the line. And that's really Patrick. the talent that, yeah, Ernie taught me that. Ernie, of course, he taught me that. I was like, the, the role of the general manager is not the personnel guy. And if an owner's mindset is there, then they don't trust the general manager. The general manager is there to protect the organization from the coach's mistakes in the cap and in, and in discipline and stuff, you know, the coaches really just need to coach the team and you put the team on the field, but in essence with working with the coach, everybody needs to work, work with each other, but the organization needs to be guarded by the right GM. Yeah. GM should always be focused three, four years down the line, making sure the caps in order, the talents there. And eventually coaches have to just coach the team and focus just on coaching the team. You know, don't complain. You don't have the talent. And here's the other thing. If you don't, if you truly don't have the talent, the GM needs to go, Hey, he doesn't have the talent. The coach doesn't have the talent. (laughs) Like we don't have it for him this year. Like just be like honest and ownership. Hey, we didn't, we don't have it. (laughs) You know, this guy got hurt. That guy got hurt. This guy, we had to cut because of cap reasons. So it's just not there. Manage expectations is one of the hardest things I've ever had to do in my life in business. But managing owner's expectation, coach's expectations, player's expectations is the role of what's called the general manager. That's why that's the title, general manager, because you have to manage people, expectation, caps, drafts, scouts. You manage 
the talent to manage is being decreased exponentially. And I think for the Giants, for the Giants to have that strong general manager is important. They need to have that. Yeah, they need a George Young part two for sure. But uh, wow, this has been one hell of a roller coaster ride. One more week left to go. Um, and then we can start the rebuild, the healing, whatever you want to call it. Uh, just been a real, real rocky type of road, my friend. And uh, I, I feel like you know, I feel bad because we keep seem it, it seems like we keep talking about the same thing over and over again. But you know, look, it 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 needs to be said. We can't sugarcoat it. And uh, we'll see what happens. We will find out probably. Let's see this time next week. Uh, probably this time next week yeah this time next week on a monday uh we'll find out for sure what direction the giants go in it'll be certainly worth keeping an eye on and we'll have a breakdown of everything we'll talk about it we'll we'll do the last game maybe we'll see if the last game's even worth doing we might just go right into the to the off season and do a breakdown there but anyway i always appreciate your time my friend i want to thank everybody i know tonight i was a little rambly i was a little all over places Thank you for bearing with me. It's just hard for me it, with a building I care so much about. Like my Christmas present from my daughter this year was a Giants t-shirt. Like oh. she knows how much I love the Giants. And and it, it's just it, I care a lot about this organization, obviously a lot about Dave. But the Maras too. I mean, I wouldn't be where I am today without the Maras, you know. Um, so I appreciate everybody's patient with me tonight listening to me talk about it and everything because it's just hard and I want to win every game and I want them to win every game. And so like, I I can't say it enough. It it bothers me when I don't see a coach on the sidelines trying to win every game, even when we fired Jim Fossil with like five or six games to go in his season. And he he coached out the rest of the season, even though he knew he was getting let go that year, he still tried to win every game. You know, like, and so for judge to get the vote of confidence to, Hey, you're going to be back, but then to only allow your quarterback or your offense coordinator to throw 11 passes today. That doesn't, it's not the right giant attitude to win the game. Well, hopefully, like I said, it gets better. I mean, it can't get any worse. And, you know, we'll, like I said, one more week to go and then we can start looking ahead and figure out what's worth keeping, what's, you know, what direction they have to go in and all that other good stuff. So anyway, my friend, thank you so much for, as usual, for the breakdown. Giant fans, thank you for tuning in. Make sure you you uh, get your questions in. We're doing Twitter Tuesday tomorrow. I know some of you already sent in questions and uh, we'll cover those. We'll do a show uh, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday. Like always, we've got one more crossover show to do, and then that's wrapped up. So hope you'll tune in here on the Locked on Giants podcast. For David Turner, I'm Patricia Taylor. Thanks for watching.